Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. So we're going to start today's message with a pop quiz. And you're going to get it wrong because lots of people have gotten it wrong and they've taught you. Some people have gotten it right. Some people have gotten it wrong. Maybe the wrong is right and the right is wrong. Who knows? So the question is, who was Mary Magdalene? She was a great friend of Jesus. She was not Jesus' mother. She was another Mary. There are multiple Marys in the Bible and it is confusing. But Mary Magdalene, we're clear, was not Jesus' mother. Everybody kind of clear about that. But there is another very important Mary in the Bible, and that is Jesus' mother. Okay, don't be afraid to answer the question. She was the first at the tomb. She was the first to appear. Jesus appeared to her first, and she was the first at the tomb. Yes. Linda. She is misunderstood. Yes. What has she been accused of? Being a prostitute. You know who is guilty of that? Pope Gregory. That's why you all think that Mary Magdalene was known as a prostitute. Pope Gregory. He probably didn't start that rumor, but he made it a little bigger. Yeah. Anything else? She needed to be healed. Kathy's telling the story that we're going to get to in a minute. And one of the women that has their identity connected with that story is Mary Magdalene. And I would argue is the one who did the famous anointing. And said she cleansed, Jesus cleansed her of seven demons. It is said that Jesus cleansed her of seven demons. Seven, the perfect number. Yeah. Anything else that you know about Mary Magdalene? Well, I'm a little obsessed with Mary Magdalene. Um, And there is not enough time to get into all of that today. So 
there is more to come from me about Mary Magdalene than I am withholding because we're only going to be here for a certain amount of time today. So there are four Gospels. Did you know that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there are four tellings of the story of Jesus being anointed. And in all of them, he is anointed by a woman. And Matthew and Mark are very much the same, but Luke and John tell slightly different stories. So here's a little biblical background. The Bible was not written down from the mouth of God or even the mouth of Jesus. But it was an oral story that eventually was written down by some individuals. But those individuals who wrote it down were a part of the various communities. So there was a Markin community, there was a Matthew community, there was a Luke community, there was a John community. And the people who wrote those stories had the ones handed down from maybe from that apostle. So when we hear there are different stories that appear in different gospels and there are different stories that are left out like a birth story you know you'd think that one was kind of important but it's not in all four gospels so this story is in all four gospels so somehow all of them thought it was important they might have had different reasons for telling it but they all thought it was important and pivotal so John's story is our focus for today, where Mary is the one who anoints Jesus. But in the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, there's this really strange phrase. And it says, what she did will also be spoken in memory of her. What she did will be spoken in memory of her. So Jesus says that. Jesus says, hey, everybody, listen up. This thing that right happened right here, she's going to be known for doing this thing. Do you know the weird thing about the telling of those two stories? She's an unnamed woman who appears in the room. She's not named. So isn't it kind of weird that Jesus says, hey, everybody, remember that she did this thing and they don't choose to name who she is or explain what she's doing there. Maybe everybody knows. Maybe it doesn't have to be explained because all the original audience people already knew. So John's story is our focus today, where Mary, the sister of Lazarus, does the anointing who has been also known as Mary Magdalene by many throughout history. That might conflict with some things you know that Mary, the sister of Lazarus is Mary Magdalene, but it is something that people have been considering for a long time. So I'm gonna get a little heady for a minute. So stay with me, it might be a little bit confusing. Thank <laughs> you. 
That's really not for the drama, but it worked. So Elizabeth Schrader is a doctoral student at Duke Divinity School, and she has been studying Mary Magdalene in the Gospel of John through her doctorate and through her master's. So what she says is that the presence of Martha is unstable in John 11 and 12, is unstable. So little background for why that, what that even means. She started looking at the oldest complete manuscript of the Gospel of John in Greek, which is Papyrus 66 which is the oldest complete book that we have of the Gospel of John. So I know it might be a little shocking that the version that you have in your Bible at home or the version that you've read came from other versions and people made choices about how to merge all those versions together. And the story is that even the oldest version that we have of the Gospel of John there is evidence that the person who was writing it was looking at two versions that didn't agree with one another. So when people say the word of God says it and I believe it, you think, what version are you talking about? They also translated into English, which should be acknowledged as a different language than the ones that other and if that Jesus spoke. Okay, anyway, side note. Um, so, cut to the chase. Dr. Schrader, or who will be Dr. Schrader in a couple months, is suggesting, based on this instability of Martha, that Martha doesn't actually exist in the Gospel of John. She does exist in the Gospel of Luke. She's suggesting she doesn't exist in the Gospel of John. And so Mary does all these things. It's always Mary. Mary is everybody. Not the mother of Jesus, but everybody else is Mary. So if you follow this logic, Mary Magdalene gives the Christological confession, Christological confession, says, I believe that you are Jesus Christ, son of the living God. Peter's the only other one who says that. She also anoints Jesus, and she goes to the cross, is there. She is the only person at the empty tomb. She appears, Jesus appears to her first, and she gets an apostolic com commission. She is the apostle to the apostles, even the Catholic Church now says that. She's a very important character. So I'm now gonna read you, now that you know all that, the story from the Gospel of John, chapter 12. And you can kind of take with a grain of salt that Martha is in this story, but she is in the version that I'm reading. John 12, beginning in verse one. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany home of Lazarus, with whom Jesus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus and his sisters hosted a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who joined him at the table. 
Then Mary took an extraordinary, extraordinary amount, almost three quarters of a pound of a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained, this perfume was worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take what was in it. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. This perfume was to be used in preparation for my burial. This is how she has used it. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. Mary was present, connected. She perceived Jesus' pain and anguish in a way that no one else did. Later in the story, Jesus said out loud that he was grieved unto death in the garden, and he begs the male disciples to stay with him, and they fail him. Jesus doesn't even say anything here, but she anoints him, the Christ, the anointed one. She anoints him. She was there for him. She was present. She saw him for who he really was and what he was really facing and made a choice not to save the expensive perfume for his burial, but to give the gift while he was still alive. We don't imagine very much that Jesus needed people. We like to think of Jesus as self-sufficient, as perfect, as needing nothing. But the story shows how Mary's love for him, how Mary's care for him, how Mary's knowledge of him and who he was and what he needed should be told in memory of her. So as I was meditating on all of these stories and these images, I thought of a song, because that's how my brain worked. And it's the song that you've probably heard from the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. And my favorite version was 
um, done by Sarah Bareilles playing Mary Magdalene and John Legend playing Jesus. So I want to share that with you. And I invite you to see particularly how Mary is caring for Jesus in his distress. Try not to get
How often do we wish that we had roasted someone while they were still alive? How often do we wish that we lavished the people we love with love even more than they demonstrate they need it? Mary did. Mary knew how to love Jesus. What a gift it is to be known like that, to have someone fully be present with you and for you. What does presence really look like for one another? We've been following Kate Bowler's book, Good Enough, through this Lent, and I've been following Kate Bowler's Not Good Enough sharings. And just a few days ago, she shared an um, interview with Brian Stevenson and talked about presence. And I could read it to you, but I might as well have them speak in their own voices. So take a listen. And I really have come to believe that sometimes the two most important words we can articulate yeah. when we're trying to minister, when we're trying to help, when we're trying to serve, when we're trying to be a friend, when we're trying to do something yeah. hard and difficult, the two most challenging but sometimes the most important words are I'm here. And it is that expression of yeah. presence in yeah. places that are difficult and challenging that represents something so much more powerful yeah. than a lot of the other words yes. that we can say. You don't always have the answers. No. You don't always have the skills. You don't always have the knowledge that you'd like to have. But yeah. if you have the willingness to be present, it's amazing what you can do. The courage of like, witness. Yes, That co-suffering. Yes, exactly. Where like, I will yeah. put my toes in. Yeah. curl them around yeah. the edge yeah that's and right we'll stare it down with yeah, you yeah that's right that is an intense yes and i love and that is a, it's a beautiful thing to be near yes indeed like and indeed. you you are here <laughs> exactly thank you yeah who do you need to tell i'm here who do you need to be fully present for even if you don't feel like you have all the skills to do that. I invite you to think about that. Think about how to show love, because ointment usually isn't the given go-to. Kelly's going to play some music for us to reflect on as we consider how to love one another. How can you love someone else? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.org.